0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. If you got your Bible, you can open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And while you're doing that, you know, I don't want you to uh, tear a laughing muscle next week. It's Father's Day, and I'm sure there'll be some dad jokes shared, so just to warm up a little bit. Here we go. How does the ocean say hello? It waves. (laughs) This is from Best on on Tuesday night. What is four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. Uh, If a kid does not sleep during nap time, he is guilty of resisting arrest. Anyway, just a warm-up so that you don't hurt yourselves next week when we get to... uh, It's a Father's Day, all the dad jokes. All right, so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to give us a context here for the church in Corinth. Uh, It's a very interesting city. It's on the trade route. And so we have this city uh, called Corinth that Paul's writing letters to to the church in in Corinth. And so this is a Roman colony, uh, but there's people from all over the Roman Empire that have moved to Corinth because of the trading uh, that, that takes place over there. Um, And so we also then see that there's a strong oriental influence uh, in this town called Corinth. So what we have is a very cosmopolitan city, a diverse uh, group of cultures, uh, people groups living together in in this city. And so uh, a way we could summarize the city is that uh, Corinth is intellectually alert, Um, so it's not like like Athens, but but they're alert. When it comes to intellectual matters, they are materially prosperous, meaning financially uh, the city is is well off, and they are morally corrupt. Uh, So this is a very, very morally corrupt, um, sexually immoral city, uh, the city of Corinth. And so that's the context, and, uh, and so now the gospel's going into the context of this city. Now, when we, when we look at it, and when we summarize it, that it's intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt, I think that sounds a little bit like Johannesburg. <laughs> so the, the letter that Paul's writing into this, this city is, uh, I think we can relate to it a lot uh, right here in South Africa and, and, in, and in Joburg. And so what's happening now, because of the corruption in the city, is uh, there's some false prophets, some false apostles that have seen what's happening in the church, and so in Paul's absence, they're now coming in, and they're trying to basically deceive the church for their own personal gain. I mean, we haven't heard about that in johannesburg either have we i mean no john's been preaching on on this for a while about the false prophets that go about uh you know giving these false words uh using all sorts of deception for their own personal gain it's not pointing to jesus it's not leading to jesus but it's for their own enrichment and so a similar thing is happening in corinth you see there's nothing new under the sun uh the same schemes the devil used uh 2, years ago he's still applying today um and so as these, these false prophets, apostles are trying to uh, fleece the flock, uh, kind of take, uh, take the church captive and lead them astray, uh, Paul now writes and he's now addressing what's going on in the church. And so we're going to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 5, and, uh, and then in a few moments we'll go back to chapter 10 where we really want to focus. So 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 to 5, it says, I hope you will put up with me in uh, a little foolishness. You can kind of sense the, the, almost the sarcasm in, in Paul's writing here. Yes, please put up with me. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. So he's addressing the deception that these apostles are coming to try and deceive the church with. And so he's almost kind of mocking them, being a bit sarcastic almost, but, but, but he's being bold and confronting. And he's saying, I don't want you guys to be deceived. I don't want you to be like Eve and fall into that, that deception of the mind. And, uh, and so he's, he, he, he's, he's addressing it because now again in, in Corinth, as we just learned, the, the context of the city is that they've got uh, little to no uh, spiritual um, foundation. So some of the other areas where the gospel is is, is first being birthed like for example Jerusalem uh, they have the uh, Judaism and so there's a context for uh, godly morals and so the gospel coming obviously into that foundation for for, for morals and and good righteous living it, it lands well but in Corinth it's completely countercultural and so now the church is facing this battle between well this is how we used to live and this was our norm because of all the sexual immorality and everything going on in the city now the gospel comes into this and so now they've they've got this challenge of how do they how do they let go of the old and let uh, grab grab hold of of the new and so there's some, there's some members in the church, we can assume, that have fallen for this deception, and so hence Paul's writing to them to try and help them to uh, not grab hold of the deception and to to follow the way of truth. And and so he writes an interesting thing here in verse 3. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, I think sometimes as Christians we... We, we sometimes overemphasize the mind and it's all about knowledge, it's all about information, it's all about knowing a whole bunch of truth. And then I think at other times we overemphasize the heart and it's just about the heart and it's all about, the, it's only the heart that matters. And now we need both. We need to have, we need to be holistically whole. Uh, but what we're seeing over here is that the, the mind is often the first place that we start to uh, fall into deception. Uh, that's that 's what paul 's saying over here is just as Eve i 'm um, afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent 's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray and even though in the context of a sincere and pure devotion for christ there 's still the potential that that there can be a deception that comes in to to your mind and so that 's why we need to be alert we need to be awake we need to be Uh, understanding what is the genuine and what is the the not genuine. So let's have a look quickly at uh, at Genesis. Uh, We'll put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. It's a difficult Bible um, book to find, Genesis. uh, um, Let me read for you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, will certainly die so that's the Lord giving the instruction this is the boundary God always gives us boundaries um, because it's it's good it's right it's healthy we do the same thing as we parent we give our children boundaries because it's a healthy context to to grow in we then go over to Genesis chapter 3 and now we read as the serpent comes and uh, and brings deception now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made like God knowing good and evil when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it we see here how the, the devil comes and he tempts and, uh, and, and the first thing is he, he questions God's uh, instruction did god really say and eve is good she's firm with the first one she's like yeah he did say this is what he said but then you see the serpent comes and and attacks on the same point from a slightly different angle but but surely you know this is this is going to be good for you you're going to you're going to be like god like surely you 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 want to be like god and so on on the second point we then see eve starting to uh Flounder in her, her boundary, her protection, and uh, and so we, we all know the story. They they fall for the deception. They give in. They eat of the fruit, and it's the the fall of man. You see, the the devil's the same, and uh, he, he uses the same tactics. So what what did he do? I mean, when we think about it a little bit, what is What is the temptation that he gives to Eve? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now let's just go back a chapter earlier. What happened when when God creates Adam and Eve? How does he make them? In his image. You see, Adam and Eve are already like God. But the, the temptation of the devil comes it says, by your own works and effort, you can do what God has already done for you. Did you guys get that? See, they already were like God. The temptation comes, though, that hey, by your efforts, by your works, by your striving, you can, you can achieve this great thing. You know what we call that? Well we call that religion. It's by our works, by our effort. No, it's by the grace of God. So let's go back to Corinth. Paul's saying to the, the church in Corinth, I don't want your minds to fall into deception like what happened with Eve. We've 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 read it, we've we've learned about the context of the church. So we now go back a chapter to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Other translations there would say lofty opinion. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Sounds like we've got some tools over here that that we need to apply to protect ourselves from falling into any kind of deception. So a couple of points. We're not we're not of this world. We are, we're in our kingdom, ambassadors. We're from a different realm. We don't fight with the weapons of this world. We have spiritual weapons that we fight with. Interesting in this whole passage how Paul is using these very practical military um, words and examples. He, he, you know, but we're talking about the mind, but he's using military terminology to, to you know, describe how we need to face these potential deceptions. So the instruction is that we don't get caught in deception because we've got weapons to fight off the powers of darkness. You see, we've got, we've got power tools, we've got weapons, and they have divine power. Now, as it says there in, in, in verse 3, they have divine power. What that means, another way of saying it, is that they are rendered powerful by God. So it's kind of what, I mean, let's take a, a power tool, as John was referencing last week. You could have uh, a power tool, not with a battery, but one that gets plugged into the wall socket when S comes on, and, uh, and it's only when it's got power, electricity, that it becomes a power tool. Now, if you remove the power from, or the plug from the socket, well, that tool is pretty much useless. There's not much you can do with an electric drill that hasn't got a battery when there's no power, right? So that's kind of what he's saying over here, is that, that the, the tools, the weapons that God is giving us, they're only powerful in the Lord. So God is the electricity behind the tool that makes the tool or the weapon function. But we've got these weapons, these tools, that are, that are there to demolish strongholds. And so this word stronghold... Is a very interesting word. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with the word strongholds. We've heard it, we've heard it spoken about often in Christian uh, environments, uh, teachings, uh, preachers, w- whatever it might be. We're familiar with the term stronghold. Uh, yet the word stronghold is actually only used one time in this very particular verse, in the whole of Scripture. In the New Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, we see some Hebrew words that that would have a similar meaning, but the word over here for stronghold is used only this very one time, and uh, and it's a word that means stronghold, that means fortress, like a castle, a place of safety. Um, and as 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 I was digging into some of the commentators on on what does this word mean when we, we, we take it in the local context and we look at it in the context of, of the way Paul's used it over here, uh, there's, there's something really interesting. It says, as I read from one of the commentators, the word is used figuratively of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, a safe place to escape reality. Let me read that again. The word stronghold is used figuratively of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, a safe place to escape reality. Wow. So there are strongholds that we need to demolish. And those strongholds are sometimes these false um, arguments which we've now embraced and believed because what these strongholds do is they, they create a, a, a fake safe place where we get to escape reality. Wow, isn't that scary? I love how the Holy Spirit works the, the flow. We don't talk about the different aspects uh, as we pass the microphone around. And so um, Warren had no idea what I was going to preach about. I had no idea what he was going to talk about as he was addressing lies. Because these false arguments are lies. You see, the, the false prophets and apostles, the super apostles, as Paul put it, they were telling lies. They were bringing a deception. God wants to strengthen us, as Willy was saying, that we won't fall for these deceptions, for these lies. Now, as, as we look at this word stronghold a little bit more, as we go to the old covenant, um, we see in Proverbs 21, verse 22, it says, one who is wise, can go up against the city of the mighty and pull down the stronghold in which they have trust. See, a stronghold is something in which you put your trust. So how does a stronghold get created? Well, a stronghold is created when you believe something. Let me read another verse here in Psalm 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, stronghold, my God in whom I trust. You see, where you put your belief, where you put your trust, where you put your faith, that is where you create a stronghold, a fortress, a place of safety. So we're seeing here in Psalm 91:2 that as we put our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus, we create a fortress in Him, a place of safety in Him. Yet when we believe a lie, a deception, because when you believe a lie, you empower the lie. When you empower a lie, you create a stronghold in your mind. What happens when you create a stronghold in your mind is you've now created a fake, false reality, a fake sense of security in your life that is an escape from reality. Are you with me? And so that's why the devil comes and he attacks our minds, because he knows if we can believe that lie, as Eve did, we empower that lie, we fall into a deception, and we create a stronghold, a fake place of safety. What was going on, I wonder, in Adam and Eve's minds? We don't know, I'm just, this is, this is Daryl um, dreaming about what might have been going on in their minds, but I, I wonder if it was something on the lines of, well, well, wow, If if we could be like God, wow, wouldn't that be a safe place to be in? Because wouldn't that elevate us to be on a similar level? That it wouldn't be, you know, us and, and God, you know, that would be a safe place to be. I wonder, I don't know. But I think that, that there was some form of fake, false safety that they bought into, which created the fall of man. What does this, this look like? Come on, let's get a little practical. You know, it's okay for me to play computer games all day, I, I need the rest. Taking, my, taking care of my body, it's really not that important because it's really the heart that matters. It's the spirit that matters. It's not what 1 Timothy 4 says. You know, I can't really pray for someone because I'm not really feeling it today. You know, I can't worship Jesus today because I'm just not feeling, not feeling like I'm in that, 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 that space today. You know, I'm not going to read my Bible this morning because I'm not feeling like, inspired or motivated to read my Bible this morning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to go to church today because I just don't feel, I don't feel inspired to do it, and it's a bit cold, and so I'm just, I'm just going to stay home today. You know, I've got to be true to myself. I don't want to be a fraud. You know, there's so many, so many negative things about the, the church and Christians being hypocrites. I don't want to be a hypocrite, and so I need to be true to myself. Can you see the deception, how it comes? I'm using some extreme examples. It's often more subtle than that. But there's these deceptions, these little lies that come in about your feelings, about your emotions, about your identity. You know, my personality is just not really suited to praying for other people or meeting new people, or inviting people over to my house, because I'm just I'm a private person. And so, you know, when, when the Bible says that we must practice hospitality, it's speaking about other people. It's not speaking about me, because my personality isn't in alignment with, with that, that Scripture, and so it's, it's not for me. You know, God just didn't make me very gifted, and so I, I'm just, I just need to attend church when I feel like it, and that's, that, that's all I need to do. That, that's what I'm called to, just called to be a pew warmer. That's my calling in life. See, the devil comes in, he attacks us on, on these, these various different fronts, and oftentimes it's so subtle, um, it's, it's so gentle, it seems so right, it seems so safe. It seems like, oh, I'm gonna create a safe space for me that I can escape my reality. And oftentimes where that, that, that deception comes, is it comes, who are you? Did did God really make you good? Does God really love you? Does God really care about you? I mean, you saw what God did for your friend in in Connect group. Like if if God loves you, he'd do the same thing for you, but he hasn't. God, you know, is God really for you? See how these deceptions come in. Now, if I had to take this painting over here. If I had to tell you that that painting is disgusting, it's not clear. There's some form of a clock or something in the middle, but it's so blurry, I can't actually really see it. There's, there's just no clarity to it. Um, it's just really actually not a very good painting. I mean, I think I've seen much better before, and it's, it's, probably, it's probably, you know, I actually don't know if it should be on stage. <laughs> Can I get one of the ushers, please? Can we remove that from stage? <laughs> I did warn Tim. Warm t- warm t- no, I'm giving you a metaphor over here. You see, by, by talking negatively about the painting, do I glorify the artist? No. So who, who's your artist? Who created you? You see, God created you. And so when we start to talk negatively about us, we're not glorifying Him. You see, that's what the devil comes. He comes and he tries to tell you, well, that's not very good. You could have done better over there. You could have improved over there, and, uh, and and these deceptions come in, and as we buy into these deceptions, well, it it it, it takes us out at the knees and our ability to glorify and honor God. Now you see, I think what happens in our minds is, when does the devil come and tempt us? What does the Bible say? At an opportune time, the devil comes and he tempts Jesus. What does that mean? He's looking for a moment when you're feeling weak, you're feeling tired, you're feeling like you're down and out. And it's in that moment, that's when the devil comes and he tries to tempt you. And so I think what happens in our minds is that in these these moments where we're feeling weak and the devil comes and tempts us, and then maybe we, we fall into a, a form of, of sin. Now, now, I think when we use the word sin, we think of like the Corinthian church where there's sexual immorality, there's all sorts of, you know, disgusting, uh, sinful things going on. That is sin. But sin, actually, when we look at the, the core definition, is missing the mark. It's missing the mark of what God set for us, the standard of what He set for us. Anything that falls short of the standard, well, that is sin. See, when, when you as a person are falling short of what God called and created you to be, that's sin. Because God has given us everything that we need to live a life of godliness, of righteousness, as Holy Spirit uh, guides us and leads us. So what happens in our minds as we've, you know, maybe fallen in an in a area? Now we've got this tension living within. Because we've created this false fortress place of safety within our minds that is an escape from reality but this fake fortress stronghold is in complete disagreement with the truth of the gospel and so now what do you do now you've got this internal fight you feel a little bit like a trampoline being pulled in every direction and people are jumping on you and you don't like it And so what what, what is the natural response as we have this internal tension? What does internal tension create? It creates stress, creates anxiety, creates worry. And our body doesn't like this. And so the natural um, fleshly thing to do is, well, let me align myself with the safety. Let me come back over here. Let me escape The reality of what's going on and so we we pledge an allegiance with the lie and we strengthen the stronghold even more that's the natural response i think it happens a lot of the time we we don't like the internal tension and so we come across to the deception because it's an escape from reality now, the very nature of a deception is that you don't know that you've been deceived. But as, as Holy Spirit speaks to us, as He guides us, as He leads us, as we come back to Second Corinthians chapter, ch- ch- uh, chapter 10, we realize that we've got weapons, powerful weapons to demolish these fake arguments, these fake lofty thoughts, these pretensions, which are these proud thoughts think adam and eve perhaps had a pretension when they fell those weapons demolish this fake reality this fake safety net that we might come back into the stronghold of the lord the stronghold the safety of christ so what are these weapons Well, we don't really know. Paul doesn't say these are the weapons, but we do have some other clues as we look through Scripture. So we see in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18, where it speaks about the armor of God. We've got the belt of truth. Truth is a weapon. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is a weapon that God gives us. Our feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the peace of Christ is a weapon that demolishes strongholds. We have a shield of faith. As we put our faith in the Lord, that, that, that faith is a shield of protection and a weapon that demolishes strongholds. We have the helmet of salvation as we have a, a full and deep understanding of the salvation that Jesus worked for us on the cross and His resurrection. And then I think the two most important weapons that we have is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God sharper cuts between demolishes strongholds as it ends in second in Ephesians 6 verse 18 that we will pray in the spirit on all occasions praying in the spirit is a weapon that demolishes strongholds we see in Romans 12 verse 2 it says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we close, I want to encourage us. Let's use the weapons that have divine power, power from God, to demolish strongholds, that we will take any thought that is not of God captive, that we will destroy it, that we won't get trapped in a false reality, a false stronghold. We need to demolish those strongholds and find our stronghold in Jesus, in Him. Won't you stand? Lord Jesus, thank you that you give us weapons, powerful weapons, weapons to demolish strongholds weapons to demolish any thought that comes against you, any lie that comes against you. And so thank you, Lord, that you give us the wisdom and the understanding to see and to understand when a lie, when a deception comes at us, that we will take those thoughts captive. We will not empower them. We will not agree with them. We will not allow them to create a stronghold in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Thank you, Lord, that this is 2023, and you're setting your people free. You're strengthening us, you're equipping us, and you're bringing freedom. And so, thank you, Lord, that as we as we 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 see the lies, and so I ask even right now, Holy Spirit, that you will bring revelation of any lies that we've believed, that we've empowered, that have created strongholds in our lives. That as we as we see those lies, that we will then renounce and repent from those lies. That as we get into the word, that the weapons you give us will destroy those lies and those strongholds. That we will walk freely. That we will no longer let uh, the deception that the devil has tried to bring in our lives hold us back from being the very thing that you created us to be. That we won't miss the mark, but that we will walk out in the fullness of of who you created us to be. And so, Lord, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for freedom, freedom, freedom. Thank you that it is for freedom's sake that you set us free. Thank you, Jesus. And so now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.